about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Let's go to the Word this morning. You want to? Yes. We've got about a half voice, so I want to use it all this morning. Go to Galatians chapter 1. All right, Galatians 1, are you there? Look at verse 4, talking about Jesus who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God our Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Notice Jesus gave himself, what was one of the purposes he did? To deliver us from this present evil world. Say present evil world. world. That testimony was right on this morning about being delivered from the world. Basically, and what I'm talking about, I'm not talking about God killing you and taking you to heaven. I'm talking about there is a world age or a world system, a world's way of doing things in your life. And if you hook into that world's way and stay in that world's way, you're going to find a lot of unsuccessful things that take place in your life. What God wants to do is deliver us from the way that we used to do things and do them the way that he wants them to be done. How many know as long as you do God's will and God's desire, you're probably going to have pretty good success in your life? But we were all trained in the world. We all live in the world. We see how the world handles finances. We see how it handles marriage. We see how it handles all these things. And if you get in that flow with them, you're not going to have a whole lot of success in your rate because there is no success in the things of man. So basically, as a kingdom person, you were born in the kingdom of God, and now you have the opportunity to understand how God does things. And when you start doing the way God does things, you'll find out success in every single area of your life. So one thing he wants to do is deliver us from this present world system that we were under the day that we got born again. All right, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, look at verse 1. Paul, who's called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother, under the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are what? Sanctified. Sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Notice what it says again. To those who are sanctified, say, are sanctified. Do you believe what the Word of God says? Do you believe it says you are sanctified, then you are sanctified? Do you believe that this morning? Praise God. All right, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at verse 11. It says, And such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. Notice here it says once again, you are sanctified. Do you believe the Bible? Does it say you're sanctified? Then you're sanctified, aren't you? All right, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5.
All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, look at verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be presented blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we find out that you are sanctified. We find out you are sanctified, but then here God is sanctifying us. Now, which is it? Are we sanctified or is God sanctifying us? Somebody make up your mind. This Bible's messed up. I am sanctified. He is sanctifying me. Am I sanctified or ain't I sanctified? See, this is this could happen in the Bible if you don't study it out. What's he talking about here? He's talking about sanctifying you wholly. Not holy, but holy. All one part. Your three parts. Your spirit, your soul, and your body. So the day that you got born again, spiritually, you were sanctified. You were born in the image of God, born in the image of Christ, made in the image. But now there's a sanctification process that goes on in your soul and hopefully gets into your physical body. So we are sanctified, but there's still a sanctification taking place. And sanctification is not a holy religious word. It's a simple word that means to be separated to and to be separated from. So the day that I got born into the kingdom of God, God started separating me from some things. How many know that's good? and started separating me to some things. In other words, he was changing things in my life and the things in the world I was being separated from. Sin and, and, and worry and doubt and fear and all that stuff. He wanted to separate me from to sanctify me up the way God does it into peace and into joy and into power and into victory. So immediately he started changing me from one to the other. Here it says the God of peace will sanctify you wholly and allow every part of you, your spirit, soul and body actually to come into one wouldn't that be fun praise god wouldn't it be fun if you didn't have any more arguments with your soul come on your biggest battles right here between your brain fight of whether to go to should i go to church or not church i don't want to go to church should i tie this i don't know whether tie or not oh i should well it's pretty early in the morning but i really need to go to church if i get up i won't get any sleep but i really don't need it see so god wants to cut that war out He wants to sanctify your soul so it's a place that it's one with your spirit that you don't have that fight anymore in your life. All right, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Look at verse 3. For this is the will of God. I wonder what the will of God is in my life. For this is the will of God. Even your sanctification that you should abstain from fornication that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and in honor so when I got in the kingdom of God God's work certainly wasn't done he got me born again I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus I've been created in righteousness and holiness that's who I am but now my mind has to catch up with actually took place in my spirit are you following it's the same way uh, back on January 1st Basically, it turned to be 2021. Was that right? Did everybody know that there was a New Year's and a change? Then why did we get returned checks the first week in January with 2020 on them? Now, was it 2020 or was it 2021? It was 2021, but your mind hadn't caught up with the fact that I should write 2021 on my check. So they sent your 2020 checks back and we had to redo them. Are you following me? It doesn't mean that 2021 didn't come. It just meant that your mind hasn't caught up with 21. Same way when people get married a lot of times, especially for the wife, she changes her name. And all at once, you're no longer Becky Kimmel, you're Becky Karras. And on the first three checks, you write Becky Kimmel, Becky Kimmel. And they, oh my God, 
Becky Karras, Becky Karras. Why is that? Because something happened in your life that you've not caught up with in your soul arena, and then by catching up, you never have that problem again. That's sanctification. So that's what God is trying to do. He's trying to take us from wrong thinking to God thinking, from wrong ways to God's ways. And I mean, we, we, you hear about sanctification, you hear about being sanctified from sin. That's fine, but sanctification goes a lot deeper than just, I'm not going to commit adultery anymore. How many of you know that? And I'm not going to scream and holler and, and yell and all this. It even goes further than that as you study the Word of God, that we can come into a place where we are totally sanctified with God's way of thinking, the way He does things, the way He reacts, the way He responds, so that we can actually do the same way and walk in our own life, in that victory that's there, praise God. Wouldn't that be wonderful? A uh, long, long time ago, they came up with these wristbands that said, uh, what would Jesus do? Remember those things? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? What were they trying to do? Remind themselves in this situation to do what Jesus did because I want to do the same thing Jesus did because if he was successful in what he did, I want to did what he did to be successful in what he did. Are you following me? So that's why, that, that's why that was there on their wrist, and that's what they did. What were they looking for? They were trying to be sanctified through a wristband, basically, and remembering that that's the way that they should be. But God wants to slowly, say slowly, and it takes time. How many know this sanctification don't happen a week after you're born again? Say, praise God, I'm all sanctified. No, you ain't, you ain't even sanct, much less fied. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, go to Ephesians chapter 5. The more I read the Bible, the more I see I'm not nearly sanctified as much as I should be, and I've been in this for a long time. All right, Ephesians chapter 5, look at verse 26. Talking about God that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. The washing of water by the word. So note, if, if sanctification is going to take place in your life, you need to be in the word and know what the word's saying. Not just reading it, but studying it and putting yourself in the word. When you see a situation coming up, you need to put yourself in there. Now, the problem with the church up to this point is we've always tried to make ourselves like the apostles, and some of them were complete failures, and then you end up like a failure. Our pattern and our, our goal is not Paul. It is not Peter. It is Jesus Christ. Yeah who is our pattern, are you seeing? So basically, that's what I want to do. I want to act in situations like he acts. I want to do what he did. I want to respond like he did. I want to do that. And through the word of God, as you act on the word of God, you're acting on God because how many know God and his word are one? And what he says in his word, that's what I need to do in every situation. So when I come into a situation, I need to think, you know, that word and the spirit of God will bring it up in you. How many know he will? It'll come up on the inside of you. Then you will do in that situation what God wants you to do and what God would do. And you're actually doing the will of God and you're allowing heaven into the earth realm. And that's what you were put here for to begin with. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we want to be sanctified to God's will, to God's ways, to God's desire. I had to be sanctified to who I was. I had to be sanctified to who he was. See, I was raised in religion. All I knew was God was going to get me. Because that's what they told me. He's just waiting to get me, boy. He's just waiting for me to step out of line, and he was going to get me, and he was going to get me good. So, man, when I sinned, you know, I kept it to myself, hoping he didn't know. 
Come on, that's the way we were taught. And when I die, maybe he'll open the back door of heaven and say, all right, come in. I don't want you here, but come on in here. Because that's what I was taught. I was afraid of God. I was afraid of the things of God. But then when I started reading the word about how much he loved me and sent his son for me, all at once I started becoming sanctified to the love of God and my relationship with God rather than worrying all my life about going to hell. So it sanctified us and it changed us into a place to where we could walk in love with others. Glory to God. So we're changing on a daily basis. Or you should be. All right, go to Acts 26. Tell them, tell them. Straighten them out. Bless God. Tell them. That's right. Tell them. All right, this is Paul speaking, Acts 26. Look at verse 18. Paul's calling was to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Say sanctified. So this is telling you your, your forgiveness, your inheritance, the power of God, all these things basically in your life. We'll train her up on the way she should go. <laughs> she's a talker now, man. I'm telling you what. I don't know what she's saying, but boy, she'll look at you and just chew you out. And I don't even know what she's chewing me out for. <laughs> Hallelujah. Pretty exciting. Okay, so here it is. You're going to be sanctified by faith. Say by faith. So my sanctification doesn't come by trying harder, trying to overcome, trying to get away from this addiction. It comes by believing the Word of God and putting faith in the Word of God, and that's what sets you free. And notice your inheritance is based on your sanctification. So if you're not getting sanctified, that's why you're broke. That's why you're sad. That's why you're down and out, because your inheritance and everything God gives you comes through sanctification to the Word of God. Because once you're sanctified, I'm healed, then you're green with God. God, I'm trying to get healed. I hope to be healed. I am healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Why God said that. I'm becoming sanctified to that. Now when something attacks me, I'm going to come against it. Why is that? Because I not know I'm the sick trying to get healed, but I'm the healed and I'm hanging on to my healing, praise God, because things are attacking my physical body. Are you, are you with me? Same way financially. I want to do it the way, way God does financially. I want to tithe. I want to give. I want to be a giver. I want to thank giving, not receiving, not getting, not trying to have, not being filthy rich. If you just follow God's plan, you'll end up rich. You can't help it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But that can be not your number one goal. So notice he says here basically, and in, John, in Mark chapter 1 verse 15, Jesus first thing came and said, repent and believe the gospel. Now why would he tell you to believe the gospel? Probably because you weren't believing the gospel. So he says the kingdom of heaven has now arrived. You've got to stop and believe the gospel because what you're going to believe in this book is a lot different than what you've been believing your whole life. And you've heard maybe 6 o'clock news, the specialist at 10 o'clock at night, the, the brain over here. Everybody's got a way to tell you to do things in the natural realm, and none of them are working. The only reason why they're trying to tell you to do them so they can make money off you so they can be successful because they don't know how to be successful either, basically, praise God. So what do we want to do? We want to be sanctified, spirit, soul, and body. And the Word of God is the soap for your soul. Get out of the Word for a couple of days. You just want to get back in there and... Two days ago, I loved everybody. I can't stand anybody, praise God. What happened? You got dirty, didn't you? Got dirty. Yep. 
So you want to wash it again, don't you? And this is a daily washing. How many of you shower? Well, at least once a day. Why do we do that? Because we want to be clean. It's the same way with your soul. You can't take a break from the Word of God and the teaching of the Word of God and keep your soul the way it's going to be. You're going to end up in a mess before it's over with. All right, go to John 17. All right, John 17, look at verse 13. Jesus is speaking. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the, word has, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou should take them out of the world, but that thou should keep them from the evil. They are not of this world, even as I am not of this world, so sanctify them through your truth, and your word is what? Truth. So they're saying, once again, you don't belong to this world. Some of you, you, you got to get a revelation of that. You don't belong to this world system. You don't belong to the way the world's ran, the way the world operates, any of those things. You belong to a brand new kingdom, and the way of operation in there is a lot easier and a lot more success in your life, praise God. So here he says, sanctify through the word, and the word which is truth. Say truth. So now we bring the Holy Ghost in, don't we? Because the Holy Ghost is here to lead you and guide you into all truth. And he brings you truth. Now we think, well, if I know the truth, then I am free because I know the truth and it sets me free. So once again, God's trying to bring you in freedom. He never leads you into bondage, never leads you into monstrous trials to grow you up. The Word of God should be enough to grow you up. Sometimes you screw up and get in those things and learn from them, but you don't have to because the Word of God will keep you on a straight path for you. So now the truth of God comes into my life. If I know the truth, it sets me free in my life. So I want to be free. If I'm not free mentally, I need to find what truth is keeping me. If I'm not healthy physically, I, might, I need to find out what truth is keeping me that I don't know. Are you following me? If I'm having problems in this area of my life, don't go to somebody who don't even know God. Jesus. Go to somebody who knows the word, for gosh sakes, and can tell you exactly what you need to be. You may not like it, but it's the word of God and it's truth, and it'll lead you into truth. And the more truth you're led into, the more freer you'll be financially, physically, mentally, every single area of your life, because God wants you to be free, praise God. I mean, the Bible says uh, praying in the Holy Ghost will edify you and build you up. How many know it says that? Everybody, every Christian walking around, I'm just so tired. I'm just so darn tired. I've been working like a dog. I'm tired. Well, why don't you pray in the Holy Ghost and build yourself up on the inside a little bit and you won't be so tired. See, we don't do it. Well, what should we do? Well, let's pop a couple pills. That'll get me going. Cup of coffee number 13. Praise God, I'm ready to go today. See, now listen, that's the world's way, isn't it? That's what the world, like, man, just give me something to spark me up, bless God, and give me one of those drinks, glory to God. That'll do it. But that's not God's way. God's way is simply take a little time, pray in the Holy Ghost, build yourself up on your most holy faith, pray in the Holy Ghost, praise God. And now what am I doing? I'm sanctifying myself to God's way of doing things. And how many know praying in the Holy Ghost is free? Don't matter if it's warm, a warm drink or a cold drink, it's just a drink, bless God, hallelujah. 
So what are we doing? We're operating in the Spirit of God. We're operating the way Jesus would operate down here if he was down here right now because we are taking place in his name and in his place. All right, go to Romans chapter 8. All right, Romans chapter 8, look at verse 14. It says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are what? The sons of God. So anyone who's being led by the Spirit of God and not by the world is basically acting as a son of God. Anybody following the world's way, basically you're not acting like a son of God because a son of God does not act that way. And what am I doing? Every time I obey the truth, I sanctify my soul a little bit more. In other words, every time I obey what the Word of God tells me to do, my soul starts to think, well, maybe that is right. Maybe that is a better way. Maybe that is. And the world's completely trying to unsanctify you in every single area of your life to the point where you can't even spank your own kid in the store anymore. See, that's cruelty. That's the world's mind. That's a stupid world. That's evil out there. No, praise God. You, you spare the rod. You, it doesn't say spoil your child. You hate your child, the Bible says. See, but we don't want to do that. See, we, what the world says, this is the way we do it, so this is the way we're going to do it. Then your kid grows up, and you've got nightmares. See, and let me tell you something. You, you can only spank them till they're yay big. See, you won't find me spanking Aaron later today. Maybe a hit and run. So this is done when they're growing up, something little and training them and loving them. And there's a way to do it that's godly. I'm not saying you go in and beat the... No, you, you tell them why. Hey, you did this. You can't do that. And because of that, you're going to have to be punished. And I'm going to spank your little bottom. And it's not, all right, you do that one more time. Because that puts fear into the child, you see. Hallelujah. So he's trying to show us different ways as we follow the Spirit of God and leads and guides us into all truth. How many know you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you this morning? Praise God. And also, you know, as you go through life, you need a scripture for just about anything else in your life. And what the Holy Ghost will do is you, is you continually obey the word, continually obey the word. Sooner or later, the Holy Ghost will take you, I hate to say this, but it's just the way it comes to me, beyond the word. What I mean by that is you will do things that are not written distinctly in the word and know how to do them correctly. See, because it's not, I mean, what, what house do I buy? It's not, you know, Romans chapter 2. Tom Karras will buy a house on a corner lot. And, see, it's not in there. So I want to follow the Holy Ghost. But if you never start obeying the Word, you won't have to worry about here and beyond because your mind isn't renewed yet and you'll have a battle and you'll make dumb decisions the whole time, you know. you got people out there all over who's been in church for years talking about, we don't have to be in a church anymore. We are the church, praise God. I know everything and I can do everything. Well, good luck, praise God. Thank God you're so smart. We should all get under you, I guess. Praise God and grow up, I guess. I don't know. But no, these are things that are not in the Word. So I want to follow the Word. Then I'm going to be getting into things beyond the Word in situations and circumstances in my life. And that's the way I grew up. I tried to obey everything the Word said. And then God started leading me when I got in the ministry in things, major decisions I had to make that were not in the Word of God. Are you following me? I shared one on Wednesday night. I'll share it here. It was time to get a building. We didn't have a building. We had no place to go. So I was looking for a place to rent, going from place to place. How big? You know, and sometimes spaces are really small and they still want a fortune for him. And one day the Lord spoke to me and he said, why don't you buy a building and rent to Sinner Boy and have the Sinner Boy pay off your building? 
And I thought, well, Jesus. And first, my first thing was, because churches don't do that. They rent a place in a storefront building, and that's where they, I never thought of owning my own and letting someone else pay it off. How many know that? That was revelation to me. Praise God, that was there. So we ended up finding this building, and we bought this building, and we had a car dealer up front, and he was paying us over $3,000 a month, thanks to Ted. Somebody's not giving you enough rent. You just send Ted to him, bless God. They'll be giving you rent for it's over with. I think they were paying us like 2200 I said, Ted, I really like I have 26 He goes back and says, 31 I thought, dear Lord, I should have sent him back there again. And you know, our, our mortgage at the time was like 3000 so they just kept paying. Amen. And it worked out so good that you guys don't pay anything to a mortgage. We ain't got one. You don't pay anything to interest because we ain't got one, praise God. But see, that was God's way of doing it. Now, there, let me say this. There's times when God spoke to me and I didn't do it. And I figured it out later and it was too late. There's one time uh, when we were looking for a place to build a church. I was out on Torino Road. You know where that is? Out St. Lucie West. Driving out there and there is a nice plot of land there. I'm telling you, it's got roads on both sides. Great, big in the middle. Would be perfect for a church. So I called them and they said, well, they're, they're selling it for $200,000. And I thought, well, you know, that ain't too bad. So I got some guy who was an architect and took him out there. And I said, I want to build a church. I want to do this. I want to do that. What am I looking at? And he said, you're looking at around a million dollars. I said, whew, jeez. I said, I don't think we can do that. I can't even come up with that kind of money. So I said, no, forget it. And, but it was in my, how many you know, God wouldn't leave it go. Buy that piece of land. Buy that piece of land. I said, God, I can't build on there. It's a million dollars, and I ain't got a million dollars. So I just left it go. And this was a time when everything was normal. Well, the next three years, everything did like it did right now. It blossomed and went way up. So I'm driving by that lot one time, and two years later, and I'm saying, gosh, I wonder what it's for now. $600,000 they wanted for that lot. $600,000. I could have paid... $200,000. And that's why I said, well, I couldn't build a church on it. And here's what he said. I never told you you were going to build a church on it. See, I was smarter than God. Yeah, I'm going to get me a lot, and I know exactly what to do with it, God. Just stand over here till I get this whole thing done. No, I never thought he just wanted me to buy it, to flip the stupid thing. And I could have walked away with three fifty, four hundred thousand dollars $400,000 in a two-year period for doing absolutely nothing. But I outthunk myself, didn't I? <laughs> Made a boo-boo, didn't I? Yeah. Well, what is that? that? That's being led. That's being taken. That's, that's kingdom ways of doing things without questioning the kingdom or going above the kingdom to do whatever needs done. Praise God. All right. Let me show you a couple other things here before we uh, move on this morning if I can find them. I'm sort of jumping around this morning. That's all right, though, isn't it? All right, let's just go to uh, Luke chapter 5. All right, are you there, Luke chapter 5? All right, now we're going we're gonna to turn over here and start to be kingdom thinkers just for a little bit, okay? Look at chapter, chapter 5, verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. 
And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little bit from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answering said, Master, you don't understand. We've worked all night long, and we've taken nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let it down. And when they had done it, they enclosed a general, a great multitude of fishes, and their net break. Now, this is interesting here. Now, you've got to think, how many know that Jesus might have been a kingdom thinker? So here comes Jesus. He wants to preach to a group of people there. He wants to give them the word of God. He wants to tell them about the kingdom of God. He's got a large crowd there. But he also runs into some of his disciples who went fishing all night and caught nothing. Now, you've got to know fishing's not an eight-hour job where you still get paid for your eight hours. If you fish all night and come home with nothing, you get absolutely nothing. So he gets in one of their boats, and he goes out to preach. And he preaches, and he comes back in, tells them to go take their boat out there because they're going to catch fish. Now, how did he know they were going to catch fish? Did he know it because he talked to the fish? Because the fish did whatever he wanted to do? No, he knew kingdom things. And he knew that if Peter accidentally sewed his boat into Jesus' ministry that day to preach the gospel, there was a return on the back end, and the return for their business would have been fish. That's why you could say, go out there. I've already used your boat. Praise God. Going out there, you're going to get yourself some fish. And guess what happened? He got too much fish. Glory to God. But why was that? Because he was a kingdom thinker. Do you see? We just said, thanks for using the boat. See you later. Nice talking to you. Hope you have better luck tonight. Hope it works out for you then. Because we're not kingdom thinkers. We're still worldly thinkers in situations. All right, go to Luke chapter 4. Now we're going to get into some nitty-gritty here, but that's all right. All right, Luke chapter 4. Look at verse 38. And Jesus arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever, and they besought him for her. Now, let's bring this down to earth. You get up in the morning... Uh, you go in the next room, one of your little kids has a fever, uh, your mother-in-law stand with you, she's got a fever. Uh, what do you do in that situation? What, what do we do? Well, we probably either go to the medicine cabinet to get her some aspirin, but there's nothing wrong with that. We may call the doctor to see how she's doing because how many know that's the way the world would do it too? Are you with me? All right, but what happened here? Look at verse 39. What did Jesus do? And he stood over her and he rebuked the fever and it what? Now, if you run into a fever, someone in your family or someone close to you, and that never enters your mind, it's obvious you've not even started to get sanctified in that area. Right. Are you following me? Yeah. What does a kingdom person do? Get off of them. Get off of them in Jesus' name. You've got no right to be here. You be gone. That's what Jesus did. He didn't go to the medicine cabinet. He didn't go get this. And I'm not trying to make you guilty this morning. I'm trying to show you Jesus thought different than we did. He had kingdom thinking. So he's saying, I've got authority. This fever can't stay here. I'm going to rebuke it, and it's going to go. Praise God. Are you following me? But how many of us would have thought about that? We'd have thought about, do I have any excedrin up there? Do I, do I have anything to do? And like I say, if you've got a headache and you're not going to rebuke it and have it go, you need it. Amen. Are you following me? But there's nothing that, that, that you're doing different than the world would do to begin with. Are you following me? Yeah. Getting quiet in here. Should I stop? No. 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 All right, go to Mark chapter 1.
All right, Mark chapter 1, look at verse 30, let's go to 38. And Jesus said unto them, Let us go into the next town that I may preach there also, for therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogue throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, kneeling down to him and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou can make me clean. Now this guy had a problem. What was his problem? Leprosy. He had leprosy. How many know leprosy is a very highly contagious disease? In other words, they were put in camps. They were kept away from people. Why? Because people would catch that leprosy. If you want to relate it to something, you could relate it to corona. You see what I mean? Now, now, right there, when you run into that, this person comes up to you and says, Hi, I just got diagnosed with coronavirus. What do you think I should do? W- what thought goes through your mind? I need to get the H out of here. I'm going to show you how fast I can run. I don't have my tennis shoes on, but I can possibly get away with this at all. But notice what Jesus did. Look at the next verse. Verse 41, And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and, and did what? He did what? What did he do? Touched him. What is he? He's a kingdom thinker, ain't he? He's not afraid of sickness. He's not afraid of disease. Why? He knows who he is. He knows he's a kingdom thinker. He's there to deliver the person. He's not there to run from it. He's not there. Now, I'll be honest with you, I probably would have ran, or at least started to. Come on now. Everybody can say, yeah, that's the way I would have did it. Well, we'll see. But there's going to come a day when the next corona, rona, whatever comes around that people are going to look to the church See, they got no answers. They never came to the church for help. They never came to church and said, lay hands on our people. They never came to church. If anything, they tried to close us down during that time, praise God. See what I mean? So it's a thinking process is on the inside of us. And let me tell you how you get through this stuff. You have to meditate the word. You just can't read it. You've got to close your eyes and you've got to see yourself running into somebody with a contagious disease. You've got to see yourself laying hands on that. You've got to see the authority you've got. You've got to see the devil running away with a tail between his legs. You've got to see yourself as a king and a priest unto God. Or it'll never get there. You can read it all you want, but until you meditate on it, until you see who you really are and the capabilities that you really have and what you can do, praise God, that's when it starts to change in your life. Because how many know this is truth? How many think you have authority over a fever? See? But we haven't really responded to it. We haven't did it. And that's because we haven't been sanctified to our way of thinking that we need to be sanctified to our way of thinking. All right, go to 1 Kings 17. Thank you. Been storing it up for three weeks. All right, 1 Kings 17, did you find it? Look at verse 8. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, go to the Therephat, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in the vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, He called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in the cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in, dress it for me and my son, that we may eat and we may die. How many know that wasn't a very good outlook? 
And Elijah said to her, Fear not, go and do as I have told you to, and make me a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after that, make one for your son. Now notice, once again, here's a kingdom thinker, isn't it? It's a prophet. He knows what's going on. He knows how to handle the situation. Now, you're in a church, and somebody comes from the back, maybe they're a homeless person, and they walk up front to the pastor, and they tell the pastor they need money because they only have $20 to feed their four kids, and if they don't get any more money, there's no place to feed them. So the pastor tells them to go to Sonny's and get him a $15 gift certificate take the five dollars go to McDonald's and feed their family how many know the people in the congregation would stone him (laughs) come on oh you need money well just go over here and get me a gift certificate for fifteen dollars and the five dollars you got left you can get a hamburger for each of your kids and that'll be fine how many know the next day you wouldn't have anybody in church right but it's a kingdom way of thinking wasn't it He said, the only way I'm going to get her out of this mess is to get her to give me something first because that's the way the kingdom works. And once I get something, she's going to be able to sustain herself for a long time. So he wasn't being greedy. He wasn't being mean. He wasn't being outrageous. He was kingdom thinking and finding out a way in which he could get it done, praise God. And that's the way it was. Did it sound good in the natural? No. Sounded like he was ripping them off. Taking the money, took their last fifteen dollars. What kind of pastor is that? Front page of the paper, all over Facebook. <laughs> pastor eats at Sunny's while kids starve. But all they were doing basically is doing the kingdom thinking and doing what needed to be done in this situation, kingdom wise. So we've got a ways to go, don't we? In the way that we think and the way that we do. And the only way you're going to do that is study the life of Jesus and find out how he did things. You know, I've prayed for people who were blind. I've prayed for people who were crippled before. I've never spit on the ground, made mud, and wiped it on their eyes. I've got to be honest with you. I've never did that. Well, how many know that was beyond? That's not in here. Uh, Jesus, thou shalt spit as much as they can, make some mud, and put it on somebody's eyes so they can see. What was he doing? He was being led by kingdom thinking and by the Spirit of God telling him what to do. And some of these old-time preachers were so tuned in to what the Holy Ghost wanted to do in situations that what they did was completely outrageous. I mean, punching people in the stomach who had stomach cancer is outrageous. How many of you know that? And you're not going to get that by watching As the Stomach Turns on TV every day. No, you're going to get in the Holy Ghost and you're going to understand that this is the Holy Ghost voice. I wish I knew it when that lot was $200,000. Just like that. God knew what he was doing, but I was going to straighten God out on the back end and tell him just how to do everything there. It doesn't work that way. It's a step-by-step. The steps of a righteous man. Not the sprint, not the every mile. Every step you take will be led by the Spirit of God on the inside of you. And it's here is where you get the confirmation. And you need to find this stuff out because with prophecy on the increase all over and everybody having words and everybody doing everything, you need to know who's speaking into your life and who's not speaking into your life. Everybody wants to be a prophet, but not everybody is, praise God. Not everybody is. And I, and I appreciate their zeal for wanting to do it and their hunger for wanting to do something. But if you don't know it's of God, shut your mouth. You know what I mean? And when you get in ministry, everybody's got a word for you at first. You know, how it's going to be, how bad it's going to be, how good it's going to be, how terrible it's going to be, it's going to be. Exactly, see? She's in the ministry, apparently. But notice, it, it makes a difference that you're hearing God. What job to stay in, what job to go, what job not to do, how to spend this money, what to do with his money, how not to do with his money. I mean, we want to... I got a little time. We were going to a church down in a Stewart, and basically at that time, 
Ted and Joni decided to teach a class on finances. Well, we were a young couple. We had finances, but we didn't have what you would call overabundance of finances because we had kids, we had school we were paying for and everything else. So they wanted to do a class on finances and basically, I mean, they ran a, ran a business. They've done all this stuff, you know what I mean? There's some place I've never been before. So, you know, everybody gets excited in church. Yeah. Well, then he had, I think it was on a Tuesday or Thursday because we went... Sunday, then Wednesday, then I think we had to go on Thursday. So we show up the first night, and I'm, I'm place, the place supposed to be packed. There's four of us. There's me and my wife and Jim Caldwell and Mitzi. We're the only four there. And he did this for like five weeks, and it didn't get any bigger. It was just us four. But on that thing, he was talking about one time something called OPM. Do you know what OPM is? Other people's money. Because I'll tell you, I told my wife a long time ago before we got married, I was going to move to Florida. I was going to be on a corner lot, three bedrooms, two baths with a swimming pool in the back, and I was going to own real estate somehow. Well, when he started those classes, let me tell you, we couldn't have afforded a stick house, <laughs> much less our own. So when, when he bought our house, basically the first thing I want to do was attack debt because I don't like debt. So I started paying extra. I started doubling up. I started doing whatever I could do to get rid of my house payment. When I got rid of my house payment, then I learned about OPM, which means you can take out a home equity line of credit and you can actually get so much, 80% of what your house is worth to buy something else if you want to. And I thought, well, wow, I actually do have money. I just don't have money. You know what I mean? This house has money, but I don't have anything. But I can get 80% out of the house and get it over here, and then I can buy properties. So after the class was over, that's what I went right away and did that. I got me a home equity line of credit. And then in 2012, everything fell apart. Houses went from 200000 to 50000 They went from fifty to twenty-five. They went to, And our house wasn't a, it still isn't a very big house, but I could get $85,000 out of my house. So I just went looking for two, two properties I could get for $85,000 then, praise God. And what did I do? I just found one. I put in a, a bit of $50,000 on it. And uh, the realtors, is there any realtors in here? Better be careful. <laughs> yeah, all right. But the realtors always come back to you and say, biggest and best. We've got nine people looking at this property. Well, I looked it up. It has gone for eight months and nobody's even looked at the thing. So it's not like they were crowding to get it. And I said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you the same thing I said at the beginning, $50,000. They said, okay. And then we're out to eat one time down at the beach and the phone rings. She says, guess what? Guess what? You got it. You got the biggest one. So now I've got $35,000 left. Things are tumbling. Somebody wanted a little condo for $46,000. I said, I'll give you, let's see what I got left. I'll give you thirty-four. That's all I got left. Well, you're not going to, you're not going to get it for that. I said, well, just put it in, will you? All right. And then she called and said, going to have to be biggest and best because there's a lot of people putting in offers for this. I felt like saying, you're full of the... Uh, but I knew what she was trying to do, get a bigger offer. I said, no, I can't go any higher. I've only got that much money, you know? And she called back two days later and said, oh, guess what? You got it. So I ended up getting places basically without any money, but then the people running them were paying my... Are you following me? We're paying it anyway, so I didn't need any money because it just kept coming in, going around, going around. I wasn't doing a thing, but I didn't know that. See, if nobody would have ever taught me that, I never would have did that because I didn't know there was anything like that out there. I didn't know the stock market was going to crash and everything else, which it did. And, you know, now we're in a high period again, aren't we? Everything is way up there, praise God. How many of you think it'll stay up there forever? Well, will it? Sooner or later. Sooner or later. So you get your home equity line of credit now, and you just sit there until it's ready. And when the world starts to fall apart, we Christians, that's when we step up and get some stuff. 
Everybody says, 2012 was a terrible year. It was one of the best years of my life financially. <laughs> Give me a break. What is that? There's ways of doing things the Holy Ghost will show you. Basically, that he'll show you that's never been done before even. But those ways are the ways he gets money into people. We just think that, you know, the evil people, the wealth of the wicked will come, go to the just. They think every wicked person is going to walk up and hand you a million dollar check. It ain't going to work that way. It's going to be a transformation because you're doing things God's way and you're doing things right and you've been sanctified to God's voice and his word and he'll lead you and guide you in what to do in every area of your life, praise God. So basically it's sanctification on the word. Spend time in the word, meditate on the word, find out how Jesus handles it your way. And I'll praise God, everything will work out really fine and dandy in your life, praise God. the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added